Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. I'm going to welcome you to Believer's Church, guys. We're going to do something today. Uh, I'm going to teach something that's 100% going to go against the grain of our culture. And uh, it will be just the complete opposite of what you and I are immersed in every day in the culture. And um, I'm really excited about this opportunity, but I do want to address a couple different types of people that might be here. You could be visiting, you may not even be a Christian, and we're so excited you're here. And, or you may be a new Christian, maybe you've just come a short time, and we're excited that you're here. And maybe you've been a Christian a while, but you've just been immersed in our culture and you're kind of not out of it yet. And I want to encourage you as you hear me begin today and open up, um, I want to encourage you to keep your mind open and uh, allow me to go all the way through. And then at the end, you can make your decision whether you want to agree with it or disagree with it. But we live in a culture that would be 100% the opposite of what we're going to open up today. So I want to begin with a story. Um, 38 years ago, I was a Christian for almost a year and uh, I was 20 years old and I came out of a non-Christian background and I was very active sexually um, before I met Jesus and also really hung out and strung out on pornography amongst other terrible things. But then I accepted Jesus and fell in love with him. And I did something that I think all of us should do. We'll talk about it today. I titled that the lesson this very thing. Uh, I call it pleasing surrender. And I just surrendered my life and heart to God and said, you know what? I just want to please you. I just want to do what you want me to do. So then one day I'm reading the Bible and minding my own business. And I read a verse and God, the Holy Spirit, who's in every Christian, he, he spoke something to me about that verse. And I really struggled with it. I mean, I went back and forth with God for months about this verse. And this was the verse, and it goes like this, Matthew 5, 27, 28. The laws of Moses said, you shall not commit adultery. But I, Jesus, say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust in his eyes has already committed adultery with her in his heart. I'm like, whoa, Jesus. And I, I didn't know what the law of Moses was. I'm very new. And I found that out later. You know, God delivered Israel out of Egypt through a leader named Moses, and then 40 years in the wilderness as God caused them to die to themselves and a new generation to come up. Uh, he gave a law to Moses, and the law's purpose was to show us we're imperfect, we need a savior. And in the law of Moses, you know what it taught? That sex outside of marriage was wrong, and God created sex for marriage. And so these Jews all knew that. But then Jesus blew their minds, and he blew my mind that day because verse 28 says, now, well, let me tell you what it, said, what it doesn't say, all right? It doesn't say it's wrong to notice someone's attractive. That's okay, all right? You, you, you can't avoid noticing if someone's attractive. But it says not to lust after them. It's talking about fantasizing sexually, or we could also put pornography in that same classification. Now, here's what bothered me. I said, God, I mean, that's not all that bad. I'm not hurting anybody at all. I mean, what's wrong with it, God? And, uh, and I was even struggling with what's wrong with sex outside of marriage, you know? And so I'm having this battle with God, but because I had 
done this incredible thing called surrender, I've, I eventually gave in to God. I eventually said, God, I don't know if I can do it. I don't really want to do it, but I'm going to do it because you're asking me to. And I'll show you a principle that it's an incredible principle. We'll, we'll close with it. You'll love it. it. It will work in every area of your life. So I'm watching TV a couple weeks after this, and, uh, and I shared this one thing before uh, in a message, but I was watching this really innocent show, Gilligan's Island, and, and I wasn't struggling with Mrs. Howell, but I was having some struggle. <laughs> I was having struggles with Ginger and Marianne. And, uh, and I'm sorry this picture, we found better pictures that were higher def, but Ginger wasn't dressed appropriately in any of them, so I had to use this one. And I'm just watching it, and I'm having all these thoughts bombard me. I never noticed them until I, I gave God this part of my life. And so then I'd watch it, and I'd say, God, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry. And then I'd watch it again, the same thing would happen. And finally, one day, I was just praying, saying, God, I'm sorry again. And, um, and God just spoke to me. He said, I want you to do a fast from media. And that wasn't too complicated back then. It was just TV and movies. And I said, I said okay, God, I'll do it. I, I, I didn't really want to, but I said, I will. But what God spoke to my heart is you're too weak, and I, just, I need to really grow you a little bit, Joe. And so I went two and a half years without watching TV. I didn't even watch football. That was tough. And, um, uh, but I just did. I did it because God dealt with my heart to do it. And then I came back strong, and I, I'm proud to say I can watch Gilligan's Island now. I'm fine uh, with, with everybody. I, I'm really okay. And I can watch all kinds of things now. Of course, I won't watch something provocative for obvious reasons. But... Um, we're going to talk about not only this today, but I do want to hit it because our culture is telling us there's nothing wrong with it. And I'm already, I've just gone right, I just started right out today meddling and going right against our culture, right? But here's what, here's what I want you to walk out remembering. This is what I call the point. We surrender to God so we can live like God. And it's not just in one area, guys. Um, we're going to deal, I'm going to deal a little bit with that area because I think that area is so important. But I had... Somebody in the church, really cool guy in the church, told me a couple years ago, he said there was a person in our church that told him that if I talked about sex one more time from the pulpit, they were going to leave. And I felt really bad because I couldn't go to them. I thought, oh, Lord, I wish I could talk to them. Uh, because here's what I would have said to them. If they came to me and said, why do you talk about sex about every four months? You get on a message and you mention sex and purity. And I would have said, I do it for your children your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and if they would have told me, and this person had children, if they would have told me I don't have any, I would say I'm doing it for your nieces, your nephews, your great-nieces, your nephews. I'm doing it for the generations that are younger than you, and it's not just young people. It's all, all like people my age still struggle in these areas. So I would have told a man, I can't teach everything that's just for you, but then I would also say this, uh, this is applicable in every area of our life, guys. So if you're here and you say, that's not an issue in my life, I'm so happy it's not an issue in your life. But, you know, God, God wants us to clean up our words. Uh, he doesn't want us to gossip. You know, gossip is, it, you know, talking bad about somebody. So maybe that's what you're going to surrender today. And God doesn't want us to lie, cheat, or steal. So maybe that's an area God's going to deal with you to surrender to him. And then there's a bunch of positive things God asks us to do, right? And uh, we read them in the Bible, and he, he'll ask us to do all these positive things. And, and maybe you haven't yielded and did that with God and said, I'll do it. So it can be any area, but I do want to take a little time, and I do want to deal with the sexual arena today a little bit too, 
because culture is telling us it's okay. It's all right, and there's nothing wrong with it, and I just want to make sure we understand what, what the Bible says. So if you were to ask me, what's God like? What is God like, man? I would say, well, God's, God's love. He's love. And uh, he, he doesn't have to try to love. God's very nature is love. He's just love. That's who he is. But then I would also tell you God is holy because that's his very nature too. He's holy. God doesn't have to try to be holy. God is holy by nature. And it's an amazing thing when you think about God is love, God is holy. And I want you to listen to what this scripture says, 1 Peter 1.15. But be holy now in everything you do. So not just sexually, every area God wants us to become pure, holy. He goes on to say, just as the Lord is holy, who invited you to be his child. That's what happened when we accepted Christ. He himself said, you must be holy, for I am holy. That's, that's a mandate. And God wants us to grow. It's not going to happen overnight in every area of our life. It's a process. And if any one of us in this room right now were to compare our lives to Jesus, every one of us, I don't care how, who we are, we'd all be down here. Uh, none of us are living perfectly pure and holy lives in every area. And here's my big goal, and I hope it's your goal. I just want to be more holy next year at this time than I am now. I want to keep growing, and I want to encourage all of us to grow in our words. And if you're struggling sexually, I want to encourage you to grow in that particular area of your life. So if you were to ask me, what does it mean to be holy? Um, I, I would give you the definition of holiness. I, I, would just, I, would, I would tell you, hey, here's what it means to be holy, because every one of us would have a different point of view on what it means to be holy. And so let's talk about what this word means. It's the Greek word hagios. You, you never have to remember the word ever. But I do want you to have the gist of it. And I, I, I split the definition up for God and then for us. So here's what it means concerning God. It means pure, sinless, sacred, worthy of veneration. So the last two, sacred and worthy of veneration, um, that's what put, puts God, places God in a class of his own. That's why we worship him. We worship him because he's God. He's worthy of veneration. He's sacred. And so that would be different than you and I. I mean, God made us holy on the inside, but we're, we're not God. But it also means pure and sinless. So when Jesus walked on the earth, he was God inside a human body. And the Bible says he was tempted in every way as we are. So he was tempted to sin. And what it means to be tempted, temptation's not a sin. It means thoughts hit your head about something. And he just cast them all down. So he was without sin. And uh, he was just pure and sinless on the inside. Well, let's talk about it for us now. Concerning man, it means to be mentally and physically pure and ceremonially consecrated. That's what we talked about last week in Hebrews 10.10. When you accepted Jesus, the real you, your spirit man, was recreated in his image. We call it being born again. And by birth, you are holy. That's what God made you holy. So that's the ceremonial part, okay? But now, the part that we live out in our everyday life, it means to be mentally and physically pure. And so that's in every area of our life. Uh, it would mean to forgive people when we need to forgive people. It would mean to be pure sexually. And when I was just a young Christian, what did God begin to do in my life? I said, Joe, you're a mess. I want to clean you up. 
and I want to help you be more holy in every area of your life. And, you know, culture is bad today, but culture was not that great back then, neither. I think today it just escalates because think of the media that's hitting us and pounding us every second of every day. And so today culture is way different. And there are good Christians who are being raised in this culture who don't know what God thinks. And if, gosh, if I don't teach it in church, they're not going to go hunting it down and listen to it on their own, right? And so pastors have to come out and say, hey, this is what the Bible says about this particular area of your life. And you have to do it in a non-condemning way because remember what we talked about last week? Remember how I made sure you walked out last week? And it was an instant classic. I mean, people are going crazy and sending that message to different people they know. And we just pointed out to you, no matter what you do, no matter what you don't do, God loves you as much now as he'll ever love you. If you're a Christian, he'll never love you more than he loves you right now. That's amazing. And we don't do things for God's approval. We don't do things out of guilt and fear. Uh, remember, you're forever chosen, forever perfect, forever holy, forever secure. And that's important for you and I to remember. And so why is it that we do these things? Well, to please God. And I want to show you something. Uh, let, let's talk about what does it mean to surrender? What does it look like when we surrender to God? Because here's what I've learned. If I can get you to surrender to God in your heart, then whatever you read in the Bible, whatever you hear taught, you're going to say, all right, God. And you might be like me. I argued that one scripture for a long time because I said, God, that just seems a little difficult, and it seems a little unrealistic, and God, are you sure that applies for today because culture's changed? And I was making that argument with God way back then. So you may have some arguments, but God always wins with me because my heart has surrendered to him. And I've just said, all right, God, if you can prove it to me, I'll do it. And so I like to say it this way, surrender is offering your minds and bodies as a sacrifice to God. You're just saying, God, you own me. God, you're the boss. I'm not the boss. And, and that's, you know, when God dealt with me a long time back not to gossip, that I had the same argument. I, I enjoyed gossip. And it's like, God, I like, I like saying things like that. I like spreading news. That's kind of fun, God. And, and I had to stop, right? Um, and, and yet I was able to because I surrendered. I surrendered. So here's the scripture, Romans 12.1. It says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters as fellow Christians, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I just want you for a moment, think about the last phrase. This is your true and proper worship. We just finished, I enjoyed all four songs today. We sang some cool songs in worship. We sang four worship songs. But do you know there's other ways to worship God? And one other way to worship God is by saying, God, I offer up my mind. You understand you can't offer your body till you offer your mind. I offer up my mind and my body to you, Lord. I surrender them to you. I'm going to live the way you say I should live in the Bible. And God says that's a form of worship. But now notice the motivation, the first part of verse one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies. Why do you do it? Why do you do this? Why would you live this way? Well, if you read the chapters above, just a couple chapters before, it talks about how God saved you. You can't work for your salvation. Uh, he forgave you. And in view of the mercy of God, what God did for you, you're forever chosen. You're forever perfect. You're forever holy. You're forever secure. In view of what God's done for you, the least we can do is say, all right, God, 
I want to just live to please you. And, and remember, we surrender to God so we can live like God. So notice the middle of the verse. It says, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, and I like this, holy and pleasing to God. So one way we can please God is to say, Lord, I offer up my body as a living sacrifice. Here's another way of saying it. Jesus said this, guys. He's a pretty good source, right? Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you have to pick up your cross and follow me. Do you know what he meant when he said that? We have two nice crosses in the sanctuary. They're awesome. Some of you are wearing crosses. It's jewelry or pins. That's, that's good. Keep doing it. That's a good thing. But we see the cross way different today than when Jesus said, pick up your cross. The cross in Bible days was an instrument of death, and it would be no different today. If Jesus were alive today, if he would have came in our generation, he probably would have said something like, pick up your electric chair and follow me. Because when they heard it, that's what they, that's what they heard. Jesus was telling them, you have to make a decision to die. And not literally, but die to yourself. And when the Bible talks about picking up your cross, it's talking about surrender. And man, guys, can we all agree that's tough for us because you know, God created men to lead and be leaders and not that women aren't leaders neither, but he's just created us as, as this you know, leader. And, and it's like, it's like God, I wanna be the boss. You know? I don't want you to be the boss of my life. I wanna make my decisions. I don't want you making my decisions. And, and there has to be this sweet surrender where you say, all right, God, I recognize you as God. Thanks for what you did for me. I surrender. I'll pick that cross up. And when I picked the cross up, what I did when my opening story is I nailed myself to the cross in that area of my life. I said, all right, God, don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it because you asked me to. And it happens in every area of our lives. So let's talk about sweet surrender in the area of sexual purity. And there's... A section of scripture in 1 Thessalonians, the apostle Paul wrote this to the church at Thessalonica, and it's for every church that ever existed thereafter. It's God speaking through Paul. The Bible came through the hands of men, but God gave them the words to write. Listen to what he said in the first two verses. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. So he, he's saying, we told you some things you, sh you should do to please God, as in fact you are now living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I love this church already. They're already living sexually pure, but you know, God's saying, hey, you can take it to another level. Can all of us take every area of our life to another level spiritually? Yeah. So he says, I want you to do it more and more, but he's also saying, I told you the things you can do that will really please God. And then he's gonna reiterate them, so we're gonna see he's referring to sexual purity. Listen to verses three uh, through five. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. That means to live out your holiness in your lifestyle, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that's sex outside of the marriage union, that each of you should learn to control your own bodies, he's referring sexually, in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. So they lived in a culture, if, if they had the internet, uh, they'd, they'd be probably worse than we are right now because they were just doing it all live. And they had, they had this um, goddess that they worshiped, and the way they worshiped the goddess was by going in her temple and having sex with the priest and the priestesses. That's how they had 
That's one, one false god they had, and that's how they worshipped God. And you know how it's hard to get teenagers out of bed to go to church? Come on, get out, get out of bed, go to church. It's time to go to church. Back then, parents used to say, are you going to church again? You've been to church twice yesterday, twice today. So they had opposite problems back then. Parents were trying to stop their kids from going to church, right? And uh, that's how they worship. And then not to, not to mention, they also were just sex crazed back then. It was just crazy. So here's now a church that was birthed. God birthed a church. And now they're in a crazy culture. And God's saying to the church in the crazy culture, I want you to live sexually pure. And this pleases your father. That's contrary to culture just like it is today. As a matter of fact, they had a religion that that's how, that's how they worshiped that God. And it's like, whoa. And God's asking them, go against the grain. Go against the grain of culture because I've called you and created you. You're holy. Now I want you to live it on the outside. And so here I am, Pastor Joe, and I'm like, you know what, Lord? I will never compromise what the Bible says. I will teach it even if it's not culturally relevant but I'll always do it in a loving way, and I'll always do it in a way, Father, that people, it's your decision. You have to decide how you're going to live. And then he goes on, and I'm, I'm after verses 7 and 8, but he says something remarkable in verse 6. So let's read the next verse, verse 6. And that in this matter, sexual purity, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister or fellow Christian. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. And I, I taught this last night. I did a good job, but I went home and I just said, Lord, I'm just not happy with it. So I went to bed thinking about it. And then I woke up early and, and I, I went through every Greek word in this verse, every Greek word. And then I looked at all kinds of translations. And then as I did, I saw something even more clearly. I said, God, this is good. I said, you're pretty good. And uh, uh, I, I, like what, I like what he showed. So I'm gonna help you out, okay? What he's talking about in the beginning of verse six is somebody taking sexual advantage of another person. It, it could be forcing yourself on someone sexually. It, it could be what go as far as rape. Um, it could be having sex um, with someone that's married. And that's what, he, that's what he means when he talks about in this matter, not wronging a brother or sister. And then he goes on and he says, the Lord will punish. That word punish means take vengeance on all those who commit such sins. And here's what he's saying. He's speaking to the victims. And there are some of you in here right now, you're victims of sexual abuse. He's speaking to you. And you know how when you're a victim, you feel like I'm all alone and nobody's for me and nobody's helping me. You know, you know what I'm saying? I've been forsaken. You know what God's saying? No, no, no. I, behind the scenes, am going to protect you. And I'm going to make this right. And I think it's important for you and I to understand that God is working in our behalf. And I think there's some of you in here today, God's going to bring you some peace. And you might say, well, nothing's happened. It's been years. Well, they need to make it right or they're going to answer to God. And it's, it's not going to be pleasant. Jesus is saying, I protect the victim in this area. And then he goes on and says this, verses 7 and 8, For God did not call us to be impure, he's talking sexually again, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject Pastor Joe, but God, the very God who gives you the Holy Spirit. And it's so easy uh, for somebody that's, and, and most of you wouldn't think this, but it's so easy to think, well, he's 58 years old, he's an old fogey, and he doesn't understand, 
you know. But you can tell by my stories. That's why I'm transparent. Uh, no, I was there. I lived it. All right. I, I know exactly where everybody's at because I lived it. My wife sometimes tells me, "You're one crazy life. You 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 have so many stories." And I say, "I think God did it so I could relate to people and say, hey, God got me out of it. God grew me. He can grow you. He can grow all of us, right?" And uh, and I know young people. Young people tell me this all the time. They want a spiritual father. They just want that spiritual father to believe in them and believe that they can, they can serve God and they can have impact. And you can see, we, we put every age on the stage for, for worship, don't we? We have young people, we have old. Uh, man, young people are important to the body of Christ. They just wanna, they wanna know that this old guy believes in them. But you might be sitting here and, and just thinking, well, I don't wanna yield in this area, so I'm gonna put Pastor Joe in the category of old fogey. And, and that's okay. I just want you to listen, and I'm going to give you some incredible hope because God's saying, that, no, this is my idea, not Pastor Joe's, okay? Let's talk about how does a Christian obey the purity standard or any standard. How do we, how do we step out and say, all right, God, you want me to stop gossiping? All right, God, you want me to forgive? All right, God, you want me to stop lying and cheating or stealing? Whatever it is, God, you want me to live a pure life. How do we do it? And the answer is the same for every year. Are you ready? We must do everything by faith, not for acceptance or out of fear. And by faith, I want you to understand that that's what I did. And I did it with, uh, I, I did it by faith here and a lot of doubt here. I said, all right, God, I'll step out and I'll begin to follow these instructions you gave me in Matthew about being sexually pure. I'll do it, God. But it's an amazing thing when you make that step. It releases God to help you. Listen to Hebrews 11:6. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Faith. You know how we have Hall of Fame for basketball, football? It's called the Hall of Faith. And God lists all these different people and what they did by faith. Do you know in Hebrews 11:24? do you know what it says? Because there are people that by faith received miracles and answers to prayer. But you know what Hebrews 11.24 says? It says Moses. Now, most of us know this. Moses grew up as Pharaoh's son. He was a Hebrew, but he, he grew up as Pharaoh's son. Remember, one of his uh, daughters found him in the, in the river, so she raised him. Her baby just died. She took him in and raised him. Moses lived in the palace as an Egyptian, and the Bible says by faith, he left the sin of Egypt. By faith, he walked away from it, and he hooked up with God's people, his people. But he did it by faith. And all that means is he said, God, this is what you asked me to do. That's what happens when we read the Bible, right? And I'm going to step out by faith and do it. And here's what I've noticed. Whenever you and I step out by faith in any area of our life, guess what God does? God gives us grace. Grace is God's ability that supersedes our ability. He just gives you the help to do it. And I can tell you when I first stepped out, it was a fight, right? I talked to you about watching TV and the fight I had there. It was a fight, but God kept giving me the grace to do it. And there are some of you in here today in many areas of our life, if you can make a decision to surrender and say, God, I will present my mind and body as a living sacrifice, and you step out by faith, God's going to do the rest, and he's amazing how he grows us and what he can do. But this is between you and God. You see how it's not between uh, you and me? Don't shoot the messenger, but uh, this is God, man. This is God. Let's, let's fire our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Lord, I did my best to teach this section of Scripture. Lord, I thank you for every person in this room. 
and you spoke to every one of us in one area or another where we can surrender. May not be, they, some people may already be surrendered sexually. Some people it's not an issue. But Lord, whatever area it is, we thank you that it all begins by us just saying, all right, Lord, I present my body, my mind to you. I call you king. And I'm willing to crucify any part of my life that you show me I should. Lord, I want to I live like Christ. You said if I surrender, I'll begin to live like him. So Lord, I make a decision right now to surrender every area of my life. And Lord, I thank you for opening up my heart and my eyes to what you want me to step out by faith on first. And I thank you for that, Lord God. Thank you. So I'm going to just give you a minute, allow God to speak to your hearts. Allow God to do what only he can do. I can't do what he can do right now. This is a this is a really miraculous moment in your life. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you need to make a commitment to God, would you do that right now? And maybe you're at the face where I was saying, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Lord, I need to read a couple more scriptures to build my faith, but I'm going to try. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what? My heart is struck. I need to do this. And Lord, I make a decision. Can't we all right now just say, Lord, I am willing to say, you're king and you're Lord and I surrender myself to you. You're the Lord of my life. Lord, and as people are doing that, I thank you and I pray right now if anybody here is bound in sexual sin and I know how tough it was for me to break that hold of pornography, Lord, I just, right now in the name of Jesus, I break that power over their life and Lord, I just thank you, and we thank you, Lord, for setting people free. And Lord, also direct their steps. Maybe some of them need some extra counseling to help walk them through it. And we just thank you, Lord, that that power's broken right now in people's lives. Lord, young people, I was there. I was there, Jesus. All the hormones, everything else, Lord, I just thank you for giving them your grace to stay pure. Thank you, Lord. Guys, let's stay in prayer, but can we all come into agreement that God's going to do those things in everybody's life in this room? Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. And Lord, I have to be honest, it was as tough to say I'm not going to murmur and gossip as it was to give up sex. So, Lord, uh, we thank you for giving grace in every single area of every person's life in this room, Lord God. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Stay in that attitude of prayer. If you're here and you're not sure of your forever, I want to speak with you because, man, Jesus said, whoever calls on my name, I'll save them. That's pretty cool. He said, if you believe in me, I'll give you eternal life. That means you get to go to heaven. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you if you grew up in a Christian church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult. That's all good and awesome things. But that doesn't mean you know Jesus. I'm not asking you if you grew up atheist, agnostic. I'm not asking you if you never went to church. Here's what I'm asking you. Can you remember a day in your life when you made it real with Jesus? You said, Jesus, I believe you're the Savior and I make a decision to follow you today. If you're here and you say, I can't remember doing that, Pastor Joe. I know who he is intellectually. Maybe you don't know who he is intellectually, but you say, I'm ready today to do it. Would you pray with me right now? He said, if you call on my name, I'll save you. <laughs> Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Guys, can we all help him? You're here, you say, Pastor Joe, that's me. Would you pray? Mean it from your heart. A miracle will happen. Say, Lord God, 
I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the Savior. And I make a decision today to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.